guys. All right. Hey, you text that number there. You can get the app for free right now. Hey, if today's your very first time, I want to say hi to you. Now, there's a lot of new faces here in the crowd. My name is Mark, and I am the lead pastor, and we are so excited that you would join us here for Easter Sunday. Uh, now, the connection card that Dana was talking about there in the video is this card that is around you somewhere in the seat, probably at the po- uh, front of you. There's a pocket on the back of the seat in front of you there. It's right there, maybe on your seat. At the end of every service, we always ask everybody to fill this out. And the reason for that is because we would just love to know what God does in your life today. Any way we can pray for you, any uh, decision that you make. And uh, we would love to pray over that and just uh, come alongside, serve you honestly any way that we can. And you can fill that card out as much as you would like. Let us know what God does in your life today. At the end of the service, when we receive our offering, you can drop this card in that uh, basket. Hey, this uh, series that we're starting next week that Dana was talking about there called I Quit. We're talking about three things uh, that, that I struggle with that I, that I believe a lot of people uh, deal with. We're going to look in a psalm in the Bible called Psalm 139, and we're going to talk about three things that we need to quit uh, in order to really uh, live the life that God has for us. Next week, we're going to talk about comparison. The week after that, we're going to talk about lying or pretending hiding. And then the last week of the series, we're going to talk about we need to quit living from the approval of other people. And so I want you to join us for that. That starts next week, 930 and 1115. All right. So, hey, I want to uh, uh, pray for us and we're going to dive into some things this morning. All right. So so let's pray right now. Let's just ask God to speak to us. I don't really know what you came expecting or looking for uh, here today, uh, but I believe that God brought you here for a reason. I believe that God has something for you uh, today, and so it's no accident that you came. Jesus wants to speak to you today, and maybe that's a new idea for you, new concept for you, and don't put up any barriers to that. Just lean into the possibility that God uh, may have you here because God wants to do something in your life today. All right, so I want to pray for us this morning. Father, thank you that you are here in this place. And Father, I thank you that you are alive, that Jesus, you died for our sin, and then you came back to life so that we could live. And so today, we celebrate a risen Savior, a Savior who is alive for us. And so, Father, I pray that right now you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and fill this place and that you would would open our eyes to see Jesus and just do whatever you can today that we would connect with you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to show you, I want to show you some pictures this morning. I want to show you a picture here. Look at this first picture here on the screen. This is a sinkhole that actually uh, opened up uh, in March, just a couple of weeks ago, right next to the Louisville Zoo. Do you might see this on the news? Right? Anybody see that? Remember that when it happened? It literally happened uh, just a couple weeks ago, about the middle of March, r- right next to the zoo in Louisville. So if you've ever been there, directly next to the zoo in Louisville, this sinkhole all of a sudden opened up. This over 50 feet deep, about the length of a football field. Look at that thing. Just imagine that. And, and no one was hurt or, you know, no people or animals. I mean, it was next to the zoo. No, nobody was hurt or anything. But just, just imagine that. All of a sudden, everything you're standing on just opens up. Uh, and, and everything you were standing on is just gone. In February of this year, uh, in California, right in the middle of a highway, they were doing construction on a highway, and a sinkhole opened up on a, on, a, on a really busy highway in California in February of this year. Look at this picture. Look at that. And so that's pretty wild right there. And again, nobody was hurt or anything like that. But just imagine that the very thing that you're standing on and all, is all of a sudden gone. Just imagine that the thing that you thought was sure, you know, it, was felt, it felt secure, all of a sudden it just opens up underneath you and swallows everything you're standing on. 
Now, some of you are looking at this and you're thinking, why are we looking at pictures of sinkholes? It's Easter, bro. I bought a new outfit, all right? Right, that's what some of you are thinking. Here's the reason that I want to just show you uh, those pictures. I want you to think about this because I just want to ask you a really simple question today. I just want to ask you one question and it's simply... This, and this is true for if you come here every single week or, you know, you, 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 you're brand new this morning, you're a Christian, you really don't have that figured out yet or wherever you're at this morning. I just want to ask everybody in the room one question this morning. And it's simply this question. What are you standing on? Every one of us in the room, we're all standing on something. What are, what are you standing on? Now, hopefully that thing you're standing on, it's not going to all of a sudden just become like a sinkhole, disappear out from under you. Uh, but what are you standing on today? Because the thing that we're all standing on, it's probably different for all of us, but the things that we're standing on, those things, we hope, to, we hope that they're going to give us security. We, we hope that they're going to hold us up, hold our family up. What are you standing on this morning? Maybe the, the thing that you're standing on is God. You're here, you'd say you're a Christian and you're standing on God, you're building your life on God, you're hopefully, hopefully your family's going to build their life and hope and security on God, but if you're honest this morning, you're thinking about moving off. You've been standing on God for a while, but you've been thinking about walking away because there's some things happening in your life right now, and it feels as if you are in the sinkhole. It feels like everything is falling apart, and so nobody knows that you haven't verbalized it to anybody, but you are thinking about just stepping away from God because God's the one who could have held it together. He's not holding it up. Maybe the thing you're standing on is your job. And you can't make it without your job. You can't make it. Your family can't make it without the, your job and the benefits that come from it and the, the security that it has. Maybe you're a student and you don't really know what you're standing on yet. You're, you're just trying to figure that out. But, but what you do know is you look at your family or you look at your friends and you don't really think that they're standing on anything secure. And so you're convinced, listen, I don't know what I'm going to stand on, but I know it's not what my parents are standing on because it's not working for them. I know it's not what my friends are standing on because it's not working for them. What are you standing on this morning? Because this is what I want to take just a couple of minutes and try to uh, convince us of, try to, to get us to see. Hopefully God opens our eyes to see that this morning. What I just want us to see this morning is that the resurrection is a rock you can stand on. The resurrection of Jesus is a rock that you can stand on, that you can build your hope on, that you can build your security on. And so if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians is a book in the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Open it up if you've got a Bible or turn it on on your phone. And uh, hey, if you don't have a Bible at all, there's probably one underneath the seat around you. If you would like to uh, open that up, you can take that. That's a gift from us to you, by the way, if you don't have a Bible or one that you can read and understand. Uh, but in just a second, the words are going to be on the screen behind me. And what's happening in 1 Corinthians 15? This is the longest chapter in the whole Bible about the resurrection. And the reason that Paul spends a whole chapter, a really long chapter, about the resurrection is because in this church, it's written to this whole letter, 1 Corinthians. It's a letter written to a church in a city called Corinth. And there's people in this church, and they were standing on the resurrection, but honestly, they're thinking about moving. They're thinking about getting off. They, they don't know if the resurrection can hold them up anymore. They don't know if, if the resurrection in Jesus can sustain their security and their hopes, their dreams, their identity. So they're thinking about maybe walking away. And so Paul is saying, listen, I need you to know that the resurrection is a rock that you can stand on. And, and I think that Paul shows us that in two ways. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this uh, down. I want you to write these things down. The first thing that we're going to see this morning is that this rock, the rock of the resurrection, this rock is real. 
this rock, that the resurrection is real. Look at the first four verses here. First Corinthians chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. There's our idea. And by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So in other words, Paul just, start, just, just starts this chapter off. He says, listen, I want to remind you guys of something that I've preached and something that you probably already know. Jesus died for our sins. He didn't stay dead. He came back to life. Jesus rose from the dead according to the scriptures. Now here's what that means. What that means is this. The Bible says that Jesus came back to life after three days being dead. And for some of you, that's enough. Some of you in the room, that's enough. The Bible says Jesus is alive. I'm good to go. Praise God for that. Can I share with you a little bit of my story? My story is this. I, I didn't grow up in church. Um, I, I gave my life to Christ when I was 18. Prior to that, I, I remember telling people I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God or, or anything like that. And, and, and some really dramatic events led to me giving my life to Jesus. And, and so I came to Jesus. I had a lot of questions. And, and I just bring that up because if you're here today and you, you're not a person of faith, you're not a Christian, you've got a lot of doubts, you've got a lot of questions, your doubts and questions don't need to keep you from God. You can bring your doubts, you can bring your questions to God. It's okay to ask questions. But I remember after I gave my life to Jesus, I, I, I wanted to know, you know, is there anything else that can show me that Jesus came back to life other than the Bible. Now listen, the Bible's the Word of God. We believe that. I believe that. Our church believes that. The, the, the Bible's living and active Scripture. Honestly, it really is enough. But maybe you're asking yourself, you know what, is there anything else you've got to prove to me that this guy died and he came back to life? Because let's be honest, and I don't know where you roll, but where I live, that doesn't happen a lot. Right? So watch what Paul does here. Paul says, listen, Jesus died and came back to life according with the Scriptures. But let me go on to some other things. So Paul begins to talk about first eyewitness evidence to the resurrection. Let's continue to read. Look at the very next verse. Verse 5. He appeared to Cephas. Cephas is another name just for the apostle Paul. Okay, that's, that's all that means. So Jesus appeared after he came back to life. He appeared to the apostle Paul. I mean Peter, rather. Appeared to Peter. Then to the twelve. Then the other 12 disciples. Then look at verse 6. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom have fallen, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. A lot of people have done studies, honestly. A lot of people have read this verse and the, and the accounts in scriptures where after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to over 500 people. Now your Bible, that verse right there, it says, says he appeared to more than 500 brothers. I'm going to come, appeared to 500 brothers, rather. I'm going to come back to that because at this time, they only counted men, not women. Hang on to that. I'm coming to it. When you add the women and possibly the kids, it was well over 1,000 people. People have studied the possibility of this group, a, a group this large, having a mass hallucination. Maybe they just all hallucinated. This guy died, but he's standing in front of us. And listen, it's completely impossible. A group this large, it's impossible for them to have a mass hallucination. And notice what else he said. He says this, he appeared to 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Here's why he says that. He says, listen guys, I know that me talking about a guy that was dead coming back to life, I know that sounds cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. 
I know that sounds crazy. I know that you automatically think that I have lost my ever-loving mind. So he says this, if you don't believe that I'm telling the truth, a lot of the people in that 500, they are still alive. He says that for this reason, because the people in the church at Corinth would have known the people that he's referring to, and if they didn't believe the Apostle Paul, they could have went and asked the people who were there when Jesus appeared. And make no mistake about it, they did. They went to these men. They went to these women. Hey, I heard that you were there when Jesus appeared. Did that really happen? None of those people denied that. None of those people refuted that. Every single one of those people affirmed, yeah, we were there. Jesus, we saw him die, but he was there. He was alive again right in front of us. Some of them have died. Some of them have fallen asleep. But Paul says, listen, if you don't believe me, go ask the eyewitnesses. Now, here's the thing. You and I, we're thinking, well, listen, that'd be great if I could talk to them, but now they're all dead. And here's what we need to know. The Bible, we said this last week. Uh, if you were here last week, if not, you can go and listen to it on the website or the app. Here's what we need to know. The Bible wasn't written to us first, was it, Summit? Right? The Bible wasn't written to us first. We come later. But in the original audience right here, these people knew these people who saw Jesus. And Paul said, listen, if you don't believe that Jesus is alive, you can go ask these people. See, here's what I need you to know. And I love that Christianity does this. You need to know that Christianity has put all of its Easter eggs, there you go, it's put all of its eggs in the basket of if Jesus did not historically, physically rise again from the dead, if Jesus didn't historically and physically come back to life, then all of this is a lie. You understand that? If Jesus is still dead somewhere in Jerusalem, it doesn't matter how good Christianity makes you feel. If Jesus is still dead in a tomb somewhere in Jerusalem, it doesn't matter what Christianity means to you. If Jesus is still dead, this whole thing is a lie. And we need to shut this church down, and we need to go and eat our, eat our peeps, because he's still dead. You think, wow, that's really strong. No, it's not. That's 1 Corinthians 15. Look at these next set of verses here. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 uh, through 17. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 17 says this. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Look down, uh, look down there, verse 16. If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, watch this. Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Look down to verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You understand what he says there? I love what Christianity does. I love that the Bible does this. I love that the Bible says, listen, unless the resurrection is a historic event, unless Jesus historically, physically came back from the dead, if Jesus is still dead, Summit, if our hope in Jesus is just for this life, then we of all people are most to be pitied because look at me, we have believed a lie. But the good news is that Jesus is alive. And the reason that, and listen, so, I love doing that because some of people, some of y'all were like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I thought Jesus was alive. What's he saying? Listen, if they wanted to stop Christianity from the get-go, it would have been this simple. The, the Apostle Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2, right in the streets of Jerusalem. You can read it. In Acts chapter 2, the first sermon in the history of Christianity, Peter preaches it, and the whole sermon hangs on. Jesus died in Jerusalem. They buried him in Jerusalem. He came back to life and walked the streets 
of Jerusalem. You go to Jerusalem now, it's a major city. Hundreds of thousands of people are there. At this time, though, it was a really small city. Do you know how easy it would have been to disprove what Peter was saying? Hey, you buried this guy over here, and now he's been walking around the streets. Hey, they buried this guy in Hazard, and now he's been at Walmart, Francis's diner. You know how easy that'd be to disprove? Just go to the tomb, go to the grave, get the body. But they couldn't stop it. Why couldn't they stop it? Right there in the middle of the city where Peter said, you killed him here, you buried him here, he came back to life right here. Why couldn't they stop it? Here's why. Because it happened. Here's why. Because it happened. Governments have tried to suppress Christianity. Authorities have tried to stop Christianity. Nobody in the history of the world has been able to stop this Jesus movement. Why? Because Jesus Christ physically died, and three days later, Jesus Christ physically came back to life. I think the strongest evidence, I think the strongest evidence for the resurrection, though, is actually not in 1 Corinthians 15. And I try to say this to our church all the time because I want them to know it. I think the strongest evidence for the resurrection, the proof that it actually happened, is that on resurrection morning, on that Sunday morning, the first people to see Jesus alive were women. And here's what you need to know. Women in Jesus' day, they were considered liars. They were less than human. They had no authority. They were given no voice in the culture at all. And so the very first people to see that Jesus is alive and the very first people to tell the disciples and others that Jesus isn't dead anymore, it's women. And here's one of the things that people say all the time. You know what? We can't trust the Bible because the Bible's been changed so many times after hundreds of thousands of years of translation. And my argument back to that is, listen, if that were true, can I submit to you, if that were true, the very first thing that they would have taken out of the Scriptures and that they would have changed because there was massive pressure to do it. If the Scriptures have so been changed, we can't really know what this thing originally said. The first thing that would have been changed and taken out was that women saw Him first. Because at the time, there was massive pressure. Listen, do you, do you want people to believe this Jesus thing? Do you want this Jesus thing to spread? Then you need to take out the part where the women see him first and where the women are spreading the gospel first. But they couldn't change it no matter the pressure. They didn't change it no matter what happened. Why? Because that's exactly what happened. Because when those women went to the tomb on that Sunday morning, the stone was already gone and Jesus was already alive. And I know I'm spending time on this because I want you to see this morning that if you're here and you're a visitor, you're a guest, and you're thinking that Christianity is all about keeping a bunch of rules. Christianity is all about having your act together. And yeah, you believe that there's a God, but God is out there, and all you know about Him is that that God is angry. I want you to know this morning that Christianity is not about keeping a bunch of rules, and God isn't angry. Our God is a God of life. And Christianity is about an empty tomb that Jesus walked out of. So, so this rock, this resurrection rock, first, it's real. But the next thing that we've got to see is that this rock gives victory to everyone standing on it. This rock is real. Jesus physically rose from the dead. He's alive right now. And this rock, the rock of the resurrection, gives, gives everyone on it victory. Watch what happens in verse 21 of chapter 15. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. See, Adam was our representative. Adam and Eve, they're the first people that God made. Adam and Eve sinned, fell short of the glory of God. I've sinned, 
We've all sinned. Is there anyone in the room this morning that would say, you know what, Mark? I'm perfect. Just give, I'll just give a moment in case you're here so you can identify yourself. Because if you are, you need the mic, bro. All right? I don't need to be up here. Right? I'm not. I'm not. But, but in Adam, we all die. That's what sin does. Sin leads to death, it says. But in Christ shall all be made alive. So in Adam, Adam has caused all of us to be born in sin. We've all chosen our own way to go away from God. But the resurrection of Jesus has changed everything. The resurrection of Jesus has set into motion a series of events that no one can stop. No government, no authority, no human being can stop the chain of events that the resurrection has set into motion. Let's keep reading and look at what it says. Verse 23, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. The, the first fruits, that, that, that word first fruits, it just means the first in a series of events. Here's the events. Then at his coming. So one thing you need to know and the resurrection guarantees it, is that Jesus is coming back. Did you know that? One day, Jesus is coming back. And maybe you're thinking, listen, I've heard Christians say that for years, bro. God seems to be moving pretty slow. I've heard Christians say that my whole life. Where's he at? How come it hasn't happened yet? Maybe the reason that Jesus hasn't come back yet is because Jesus is waiting on you. Right? The Bible says that God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to suffer a life and eternity without him. And so God is willing to wait on you if you need to give your life to Jesus. But Jesus is coming back. Then come, at his coming, then those who belong to Christ. So when Jesus comes back, we will be with him. Every single person who's given their life to Jesus, who's a follower of Jesus, they'll be alive with him. In verse 24, then comes the end. When Jesus delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. So, so Jesus is going to come back. The followers of Jesus, those of you who are Christians, will be alive with him. And Jesus is going to give the kingdom of God back to God the Father. Now here's what you need to know about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a place where there's no pain, no death, no disease, no sin, no hurt, no crying. And Jesus gives that to the Father after defeating, it says there, every rule, every authority, and every power. So Jesus will be alive, ruling, and reigning, and we will be with him, healed, and whole forever. And so then at the end, then at the end it says this. Look at these verses here. Verse 54, I love what it says. Because of that, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? See, Jesus removed the sting of death because what death does is death always takes, doesn't it? Death just seems to take things away from us. And what the promise of the resurrection and Easter is that those who belong to Jesus, in those who belong to Jesus, rather, never die. They never taste death. And so maybe you're hearing that and you're thinking, all right, well, that sounds great for then. One day Jesus is going to come back. We will be with him. Death is fully and finally defeated. There's no more death. That's great then, but what about right now? Where's the victory right now? Look at verses 57 and 58. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You see that in verse, in verse 57, that God gives us the victory through Jesus. It doesn't say that one day God's going to give you the victory. It says gives, past tense, 
Those of you who belong to Jesus, if you belong to Jesus, if you build your life on the resurrection of Jesus, if you give him your life, you get the victory right now. God has already given us the victory. And the victory is victory over sin, victory over death, victory over hell, victory over the grave. It's victory over the enemy and every single thing he would ever try to throw in your life. It is absolute victory over everything. And Jesus gives us that victory right now. And so what Paul says, he says this, be steadfast, immovable. In other words, don't move away from the resurrection. Don't walk away from your hope. Stay on that rock. See, some of you right now, maybe you're here today and you're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, my life looks so dark. I've given my life to Jesus, but everything in my life looks dark. Listen, just because you don't feel victorious doesn't mean that in Christ you're not right now. Just because you look at your life and you're thinking, my life doesn't look victorious, doesn't mean that behind the scenes, God isn't turning things for good right now. Amen? See, one of the things you've got to understand is that the resurrection guarantees darkness doesn't win. The resurrection guarantees darkness doesn't win. It doesn't matter what your darkness looks like. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, listen, God, I need a sign to show me that darkness doesn't win because it feels like I'm going to drown here. It feels like I'm going to die in this. God, I need a sign that darkness doesn't win. Look at me. The empty tomb is your sign. The empty tomb is a sign from God that darkness doesn't win. Listen, because of the resurrection, standing on the rock of the resurrection, your darkness might be some kind of disease, might be an illness, might be a diagnosis. The resurrection guarantees healing, either in this life or in the next. But the resurrection guarantees that death and disease do not get the final word over our lives. Jesus does. Amen? Darkness doesn't win. Maybe... Maybe your darkness, maybe your darkness is you're looking at God and you're saying, God, why'd my marriage end? God, why is this happening to me? God, why do bad things happen to all of these good people? And why are all these things happening in my life? And, and those that your darkness is a question. And those questions are about to cause you to move away from the rock of the resurrection. But the resurrection promises if you stand on that rock, if you hold on, even in the midst of your questions, if you hold on, one day our faith will give way to sight and we will know as God knows and we will understand. But do not move away from that rock. Some of you are here and you come here to this church every single week and you're serving and you give and you're so faithful and you're praying and you're thinking, God, I'm doing all of these things, but don't you see what's happening to my marriage? God, don't you see the direction that my kids are taking? God, does this even matter anymore? And I want to tell you that the resurrection proves that you holding on to God in spite of everything seeming like it's falling apart. The resurrection proves that holding on matters. Think of what it was like for the disciples on Saturday. Right? They, they thought it was over. Jesus had died. They didn't know that in less than 24 hours, the resurrection was on the way. So don't move from the rock of the resurrection. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, does God even hear my prayers for my lost husband, my lost wife, for my kids? Does God even see the struggle that I'm going through financially? Look at what he says there, verse, verse, uh, verse 58. My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. In other words, don't move. Hang on. You don't know how God's going to come through, how God's going to make a way. The resurrection is a rock that you can stand on. 
Or maybe you're here and you've been serving God and you don't see any fruit from it. You've been trying to share the gospel with your friends and nothing's happening. You've been inviting your friends to church and every single week they tell you no. And you're thinking, man, is everything I'm doing for God, does it even matter? I love what he says, verse, 57, verse 58, the last part. In the Lord, your labor is not in vain, so it matters. Every single thing, whether the world sees it or not, that you do in the name of Jesus matters. And it is never in vain. See, the resurrection is a rock that you can stand on. So the question that I have is, what are you standing on today? What, what are you standing on? What's your hope in? What are you building your life on? Maybe you're here today and you believe that Jesus is real. You, you would intellectually, you believe, oh yeah, I believe the events of Easter. Intellectually, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Intellectually, I believe everything that you're saying, but I've never received it into my heart. I've never received it into my life. Can I tell you, Jesus doesn't want to stay at the level of your intellect. Jesus wants a relationship with you. It is not enough to know what Jesus did for other people. You need to receive it for yourself. And I just want to tell you today, I don't know who you are or where you've been. I just want to tell you today that it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done ever at any point in your life. There is room on the rock of the resurrection for every single person here today. There is room for you. But listen, you got to come to him. you got to come to him and give him your life. And coming to Jesus doesn't mean that we pray a prayer one time and then we can go about our life like Jesus' fire insurance. That's not what it means. Jesus never asked anybody, hey, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Instead, what Jesus said over and over was this, follow me. Follow me. I want a relationship with you. I want to change your life. I want, I want to give you the abundant life, not just heaven later on, not just eternity with me, but heaven on earth, life right now. Jesus wants a relationship with you. But listen, you've got to come to him. Have you ever done that? If not, I'm going to give you a chance to do it today. And don't let anything keep you from it. Or you might be here today, and, and you're a follower of Jesus, and you claim to be a Christian but you like to get on the rock of the resurrection. You like to get excited about Jesus every once in a while, then step back off. You know what I'm saying? Kind of just dipping your toe in that water every once in a while, right? I, I don't want to get too in for God. I don't want to get too excited about the things of God. Maybe on days like this, you say, you know what? We're going to start coming here. We're going to start serving in this church, man. God's really going to change some things, right? And then you go home and, you know, you get in a fight with your spouse, right? The dog does something crazy. You kick the dog. Yeah, I can't go to church again. I just kick my dog, right? And, and you're off and you're on. You're off and you're on. You're off and you're on. That's what your relationship with God looks like. Oh, I'm really going to get serious this time. Then a couple days later, it changes. Can I tell you, if Easter shows us anything, it's that Jesus went all in for you. What if you went all in for him? Amen? He went all in. He didn't sort of die. He completely died. Jesus didn't 75% die for any of us. He 100% died. 100% came back from the dead. What if you went all in for God 100%? You don't have to be perfect to do that. You don't have to have all the answers to do that. All you need to do is have a heart that says, Jesus, I am yours. But whatever you're standing in, if you are standing on anything other than the historic, physical, death-defeating resurrection of Jesus, there is room on the rock for you today. Pray with me.
And just as we're moving into a time of prayer, I, I want you just to take a quick second and examine your heart. What are you standing on? What's your hope? What's your security? Is it really Jesus? Maybe I described you a second ago and in your relationship with God has fits and starts and you get excited and then it kind of wanes and you're off and you're on again and you're off and you're on again. And, and Jesus this morning is saying, I went all in for you. What if you went all in for me? And that might sound scary and you may not even know what that looks like, but I just want to tell you that there is freedom and surrender today. And so maybe that's what you need to do. Just to go to God and say, God, here today, I'm all in. I'm yours. I surrender to you. I rededicate my life to you. I want you to begin using my life. Jesus, my life is yours. I want to build it on the rock of the resurrection. If that's you today and you say, Mark, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I need to rededicate my relationship to God. I need to recommit my relationship with Jesus. I want to surrender my life in a new and fresh way today. If that's you, just put your hand in the air right now so I can pray for you. Just put your hand up high in the air. There's your hand right over there. There's another one. I just need to rededicate my relationship to God today. There's another one. There's another hand right there. Thank you for that. Anyone else? There's another hand right there. Anyone else? Say, I, I just need to, to surrender all over again right now. Anyone else? Father, I pray for these hands that just went up. And God, I pray that that you would capture our hearts with who you are again. God, that you would wake us up to who you are again. Jesus, you would draw us in in a new and fresh way. Father, thank you that there's always grace, that there's always mercy. So maybe we've drifted, but you haven't. Maybe we've walked away, and you haven't. You call us to come home. So Father, for those who just raise their hands, God, I pray that they would experience right now 